So the repercussion of that is that once I put these five pillars into place, um, it really changed everything for me. I mean, it, it really called in my abilities to show up and be the man that one, being able to leverage all of that story that I've, that I brought up to share with you guys, but being able to take the pieces out of it that are powerful and share them in meaningful ways with people outward. I'm Brian Kramer. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. Welcome to Humanly Possible, a podcast focused on small shifts that can make epic differences in our lives and at work. I'll introduce our guest who's someone I've recently admired. We got to know each other uh, in I'm totally honored to have on the show. I've gotten to hear about all of his experiences. I can't wait for you to hear about them. They're fascinating on so many different levels. Neil Conlon is an entrepreneur with a focus on growth hacking, leveraging data, and purposely inspiring others to not let the obstacles in a rapidly changing world of tech limit their opportunities. In the last few years, he's pivoted his focus to learning how he can share his years of self-development to empower others to get better quicker, faster, and to master themselves and the skills to be successful, especially with his focus being in men's groups that he's been running at his own property back east. I'd love for you to hear more about that. Amongst the other things that he's doing is we'll walk through various parts of his life that just totally blew me away. He's also a U.S. Marine veteran, an entrepreneur, a growth marketer, an investor, a parent, and a partner. Neil, welcome. How are you doing? Good. Uh, you said I was going to be at my own funeral. Um, it's, it sounds like so much, and I feel like I've achieved so little at the same time. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I always make people go through that um, uh, just because I think, how often do you get to hear about yourself? And um, you know, I, I used to record those off, uh, uh, you know, separately, and then I'm like, no, I think it'd be honor, you know, kind of neat for people to hear it themselves. Um, I'm going to dive right in. I love diving in and just getting right to the heart of it. So if with that said, I'm going to ask you, Neil, um, right, right at the, right at the uh, pivotal point of your life, what's one thing that felt small at the time, at one time in your life, but it ended up being a big shift for you? I love this question. As we were prepping for this, um, I was thinking through, all right, this one, no, not that one. This one, no, not that one. And then just as you asked me the question again, it, it finally landed the way it was supposed to. Um, so the, the th- small thing for me that had massive impacts on my life is um, my mom had me, to, my parents had me at a very young age. Uh, both were teenagers. And um, they still had to grow up. And my all four of my grandparents stepped in and in an effort to be supportive. And they're, they're all, you know, the Irish, Italian nationalities, three out of four of them were immigrants, um, to the country. And, um, they did like every other grandparent does in lieu of their parents. They overcompensated for, you know, the things that they weren't hearing their children say to their grandkids. 
And all my grandparents constantly throughout my young years would always say, you know, you can do anything that you, that you're, you want to do, right? You can, you can be a doctor. You can, you, in my head, all I heard every time throughout this journey, I still hear it this day. Whenever somebody's offered me some crazy investing, uh, startup founder, big, huge move thing, there's like this subconscious voice in my head that says, Neil, you can do anything you put your mind to it. And it served me my whole entire life. And it was this little, little tiny thing that like when I was eight, I was hearing. Where do you think that came from? Uh, like, dig a, tell me a little bit more about that. And how did that serve you at, from eight on? Like, um, you know, maybe in your teenage years or how that played itself out? Yeah. So, so it served me well through life. It also did set the bar high because I had such a high regard for my grandparents. And all four of them said I could do anything I ever wanted to do. Um, it also made me severely disruptive uh, before disruptive was actually a cool, trendy word to, to use. Um, so what that meant, what, what I mean by that is, is I got kicked out of four schools uh, up and up through high school, constant troublemaker, um, then joined the Marine Corps, um, was served a bunch of years in the United States Marine Corps because I could do anything I was ever, ever told uh, or anything I ever applied myself to. Came out of the Marine Corps, um, got a job as a security guard, like a physical security guard, wasn't happy, took, wrote up this or typed up this really cheesy resume that walked floor to floor in the building, handing it out to every single HR manager. Uh, the one floor that actually took the resume was the COO of Guggenheim Partners, um, who put me in the mailroom. And so the largest, one of the largest, most well-known hedge funds on the planet. Um, I worked there for two year, year and a half, two years, learned what the traders made. I quit right when I found out what they made because I felt frustrated. It was dealing with my own identity stuff from the Marine Corps, uh, from veteran transition. Uh, walked into Cushman and Wakefield, the largest real estate company on the planet, interviewed for the global CEO and said I was going to work for him, told him I was going to work for him. And he hired me because of it. Um, worked for him for a couple of years. Didn't like working in the shadow of a man that I couldn't compete with. So I quit. Got a job at NBC. Um, got frustrated there and quit because I can do anything I want to apply myself to. And every single one of those jobs, I, I promoted myself. You look at my resume, it's like from, from operation to project manager to senior project manager. I was just on my own path. Then jumped into the startup space. Um, actually, no, step missed the spot. Then got a job at Morgan Stanley. Uh, worked at Morgan Stanley for a while. Learned all about uh, investing and all kinds of cool banking stuff. Then leaped into the startup space. And then would end up having you know a dozen or so startups underneath my belt, probably a little bit more than that. Uh, but uh, launched a company that ultimately went, would go public. Um, then launched a company of my own that you know did a massive amount of digital agency sales. Uh, then launched a company that did a hundred million dollars in investment investing in two years. Um, and then set me down this path along the way in the background of doing all this men's work and personal development work, all predicated upon this idea that there's an anchor inside my head that just says, you can do anything you apply yourself to. 
and I've proven it. Wow. So thanks, Grandpa. (laughs) Did you ever along the way get a moment where you thought, I can't, or that's not doable, or, oh my God, how am I going to accomplish that? Like, that's a big mountain to climb. Because the, like, when, like, I think back to you just walked out of this one place and walked into the CEO of this other place. It sounds so like, like you walked out the door of this one building and walked in the door across the street of this other building. <laughs> like the visual of that is, it sounds so, um, so, so easy for you. Was it that like easy or what, like what's the, just even just to pick apart that one moment of like telling this, like, I can't work for this CEO, but I'm going to go work for this CEO. But then I find out I can't work for him. What, of that one situation was what was it? Let's break that down. Like, how did you, how did you remove yourself and then get into this other situation as this kind of call it kid that was able to just do this thing? How do you do that? And what went through your mind that it was able to just walk into another door to the global CEO of this place? Yeah, I mean the the, the thing that comes up for me is like the first time I saw like I think it's a Richard Branson quote. Where like he's like, if anyone ever offers you a job and you're unqualified for it, accept it and figure it out later. Something like that, right? And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, yeah, duh. Like, um, so for for me, it's like if you take this culmination where I have this anchor inside my head of my cornerstone of my family, my four grandparents telling me I'm capable of doing anything I apply myself to. Um I also have a chip on my shoulder uh, because my parents divorced at a very young age. And I have spent, I spent a large majority of my life trying to seek my father's approval, which is an amazing catalyst that I've developed. Um, And then you have the fact that I served eight years in the Marine Corps being told I was one percent of the world that gets the opportunity to serve in this capacity, so it's still stressful. I mean, like there there is still a lot of stress, but like it is, it is a constant. Like I would say, stress comes in checkers, right? There's no stress in in chess because it's strategy. And so a big piece of what I often feel a lot of times, and I have this like synchronicity with a lot of this work, we were talking about this before, like how my entrepreneurial career has has bloomed or blossomed or thrived when I started to do this masculinity work, because, you know, whether you're doing business coaching or, you know, anything business related and you're not experiencing success, the reason why you're not experiencing success has nothing to do with the business, really. It has to do with stuff that's, you know, interpersonal stuff. And so I had to train myself how to realize that when there was a chess move made on the board, it was not my own, right? Life, pandemic, whatever it is, I still lean in on the fact that I'm still playing the game and therefore we're just going to rewrite the strategy a little bit. I love that. The, 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 so you took it, each, each thing was like a, a chess move if you will. And each time you left a new place, you're looking for a new move. Like what, what is the next move that I need to make? And it's a very strategic position. Um, you went in uh, just to keep drawing from this one place where you're interviewing from uh, what was it? The CEO of um, 
I'll give you a good example. I went from Guggenheim Partners to Cushman and Wakefield to NBC to Morgan Stanley in like six, seven years, maybe eight years. Um, and I remember going to a recruiter and the recruiter was interviewing me and they called me up for some job and they wanted me to run some big thing. And they were like, Neil, um, you know, you, you job hopped for the last eight years and it's frowned upon, you know, when people look at your resume because you've job hopped for so long. And I said to, I remember looking at the recruiter right in the face and saying, in this job, I was making $60,000. In this job, I was making $250,000 a year. And I quadrupled my income on my own at my own pace faster than most people ever could. And that's being frowned upon because I was, pl- I, I was playing this, this, this chess game. Okay. So you were looking at how, how do I not only improve my income, but also how do I provide value? And then at the same time, how do I make my own way in my career? Um, so you're creating your own shifts, writing your own resume and saying that, that, that this is not good enough. Uh, it reminds me of that movie with, uh, uh, Robin Williams, the, I, uh, I don't know if you ever saw it. It's, uh, I think it's I robot or robot. And it, he's a robot in the beginning and he keeps, uh, he, he, he ends up like becoming this human more and more and more human as yeah. he goes. And he just keeps saying, that's not good enough. That's not good enough until yeah. eventually he actually becomes the first human that's that what used to be a robot. And you were like, it was kind of a really cool movie. If, if those are who are listening have never seen it, cause you're, you're the, you're the first who've, to, who who've who have spoken the words that's got not good enough and you just kept moving 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 until you found it have you found it um you, you know i i think I, I think i have in the capacity of really understanding my own value and my own worth i think that was a huge piece of it where like the the thing that comes up for me there as you were saying that was like if if my grandparents, right, I'm going to digress for a second, but bring it right back. If my grandparents had, had instead of emphasizing that you could, you're capable of doing anything you apply yourself to, um, had switched that to be like, Neil, you got to play by the rules. I mean, my entire life would have just shifted in such a drastic way because they were so committed to making sure that I felt like I was capable of doing something that they didn't, did not emphasize playing by the rules. And therefore I've never, I'm not very good at playing by rules in anything. Um, what I am good at is about continuously moving forward. And, you know, for a long time, what I realized, and this is me just being super open and vulnerable, what served me really, really well was my ability to move forward faster, better, quicker than a lot of other people could. A lot of that was because I was either running towards something from a self-worth perspective, or I was running away from something that I was afraid to deal with. And a, a, a really good friend of mine and mentor and peer really put me in my place a couple of years ago and said to me, what would happen if you were just running just to run? 
not to run towards or not to run away. And that's been a huge catalyst for me to be like, now I'm moving forward because it's the thing I want to do and I own it and I have accountability for it. I have integrity about it. Um, and I can explain it in a way that really makes a lot of sense to people instead of, and we all, we've all know people like this in our lives. You see somebody, I was that person when I started, ran my own first company, people were, I was closing money was coming in, the business going good. And I was running by the seat of my pants the whole time. And I would go talk to people who knew me really, really well. And I would ask them for help or support. And they'd be like, you're doing great, Neil, but I can't help you right now. And I needed to learn that lesson of like what it's like to not be running towards or away from something, but just be running just to run. What was a mountain? What was a Kilimanjaro for you? A really high mountain in your life that you were running away from um, or, or towards uh, something that you, and, and you've now overcome? Um, you know, a, a big one for me was, is that, you know, for a long time, I was called you know, a reference in the workplace as a bull in the China shop um, because I would come in, want to establish myself, want to change things, want to be, get the credit for it. And when I started my own business, my own digital agency, um, the very first time, um, we closed a million dollars in sales in 30 days, cash, seven clients. And, um, and it was, it, man, that went right to my ego and right to my head. And in six months, I crashed that whole business into the ground, upside down, flipped it over, just ruined it, ruined relationships, ruined relationships with employees. Um, and I was so scared that I was going to fail that I did not know how to pull the brakes, pull the brakes on the business to put the right processes in place, to write, to do all the things the right way. That's clearly well-documented. If you Google online, the things you should do or shouldn't do when you're starting a business, I didn't do any of those things. But I was so afraid to fail. Um, that, 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 that was a massive thing for me. And now I've actually embraced what it's like to like fail. And I've, I've, I've really chalked it up to, I don't think it's really such as a parent, even now looking at my kids, my kids are growing up. Like I really try to integrate this idea that there is no past or fail. We're not in school. Um, what we're learning is discernment. You know, and and then I, I and it really served me well. It has served me well because a lot of times when I meet, you know, founders and 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 other business people, and you see that they have this like hypercharged, almost OCD nature to how they run their business. It's for me, it's very quick to be like, oh, you've never failed before. <laughs> you know, like you, you haven't put a business in the ground because once you do it once, you know, like yeah, you know. You lose one. It's like people used to tell me that you ha- you're not an entrepreneur until you've get- gotten sued. You know, like because sooner or later someone's going to sue you just because that's just uh, one of the lashings of entrepreneurship. But I think it's very true. Oh man, it you know there's so many different um, levels, layers, and and ways that people go through uh, life, business, um, and how it's all intertwined. Um, I'm curious, what's, what's an unintentional outcome that you face um, and how do you create from that place in whether it's your life 
even or business that um, that now serves you and where you're at today? Yeah, um, you know, the, the unintentional one would be, you know, if if you go through that laundry list of companies that I've worked with, right? So like, um, Guggenheim, right? So uh, hedge fund. Uh, I got a lot of experience to business modeling and investment models. Like most of the people I worked with went to, you know, Wharton or Harvard or Yale. So I had exposure to amazing business modeling. Um, you know, when I was at uh, Cushman and Wakefield, I learned so much about the real estate world and impact investing. And re- like, I've, I've, I've got so much knowledge from these places. Uh, NBC learned all about TV advertising, digital advertising, um, all the crazy acronyms and a whole bunch of all these other companies. And, you know, people, I'm 43 and I'm giving, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, I'm giving a snapshot. And sometimes when I sit with, with people, they're like, how old are you? Like, how many things have you done? Or how do you know, you know, the differences in business modeling or, you know, all these pivots and changes? And A, I've never been in a college class in my life. Uh, never went to university. Tried a couple of times, never really worked out for me. Um, you know, uh, and a whole bunch of other, you know, all the traditional things where people would learn this knowledge. I'm a 100% on the job training, you know, in the, in the weeds where I learned best tactician and tactical. Um, and I never expected any, it was all unintentional history, how it served me, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's, um, one of the things that, that I love about that is when you're learning on the job and you're able to turn around and you can teach people, which means to me that you're an early adopter, um, and you love to learn and you love to be educated um, now, um, looking back, you're, you're in this place, you're helping men, you're, you're, so you went from this place of finance and, edu- and, um, you know, uh, all these other jobs. And then now you're coaching men that like the dichotomy, the dichotomy of those two things are just so radically different. And yet when you think about leadership, it, it's, there's definitely a, 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 a a thread that goes throughout all of that, but how did how did you arrive to this place that you're at, and, and um, walk us through that? Yeah, I I really appreciate this question. Um, how I arrived at this place, this dichotomy of shifting from business savant to men's coach. Um, I was staying in the presidential suite at the Lowe's Hotel in South Beach looking out over the sun sunset after a marketing event had a super expensive bottle of bourbon uh by myself and uh was married at the time had the big house had the dogs had the kids had all the things and i was just miserable miserable beyond belief and i couldn't understand why i felt that way and it just kind of sent me on this path. And I started to do a bunch of personal development work and then started to realize that that like chip on my shoulder, you know, from not having a positive male role model growing up and not having the right frameworks in place, um, 
really left me with this like emptiness inside of me that was just eating away, eating away at me little by little. And it was like, how much harder do I have to try to try and fill it? And I tried to fill it with everything I could. And as I started to dig in and look at what's going on in the world, um, I realized that when I spoke to other men about this, they felt the exact same way. People who, men who are on these pedestals of being successful, um, entrepreneurs or business owners or just successful people in general, we're also starting to suffer from this. I mean, the, the easiest one to mention, and it makes my heart feel a lot of different ways, is Tony Shea. Right? I mean, like, he, he was the chief happiness officer. Right? And he, you have a, you, we have these, these frameworks in place so that we achieve all of these amazing things in life and still don't feel fulfilled in, any, in some way, shape, or form. And then it takes us as a catalyst that just takes us to such a dark place. And, uh, I had inklings of that and, and I flipped it because I have daughters and I immediately wanted to actually make sure that, um, my daughters when they grew up were going to have every opportunity that I had from race, creed, color, gender, preference, choices, whatever. And I immediately wanted to be involved in the conversation. And so I, Got my because of my background, I was able to speak at a Google a conference sponsored by Google and DigitalOcean on uh, inclusion and diversity, and I spoke on a topic called veteran tokenism. And I got up on stage. This white, tattooed, bearded dude, and I got these evil death stares from all the people in the audience. That and I was like, so I. To sit up there and I was like, huh, this is really interesting, uh, pot kettle. But, um, you know, it was really interesting to see. And so I came off that, that experience and I said, okay, so this is not where I build my camp for this conversation. And then I realized that the best way to save and support women is to educate the men. And it sent me down this path of, building out this entire program and platform and framework and filling in the gaps that exist for men who probably did not grow up with good, healthy male role models. And so that began um, the the place where you got to build your pillars. Um, we were talking off, off uh, podcast here before we got on, which was intriguing. I'd love for you to walk through uh, either before how that came to be or how the pillar work came to be. Cause I know you traveled a lot too. And you, you didn't just jump into this. You, you immersed yourself into this. You, you like took yourself into this world through all your traveling. And then you arrived to all of the uh, work that became, I, I would imagine the, the pillar work that then became like, um, some pretty fantastic moments of the, the, the men's work that you do. Yeah. I, I mean, like, you know, if, if you figure at that point, I had already been through a bunch of startup-y stuff. So like very familiar with like startup metrics and very familiar with corporate metrics and, you know, risk and compliance. And so I'm always like wired for like, what's the rule? What's the system? How do we comply? You know, like, I just, I'm, a tinkerer like that. And so when I started to do a bunch of this work, I started, I was traveling around the world for uh, speaking at big conferences, but then I would dip away and, 
you know, I did some work in in India. I did work in the Middle East, and and, and I mean personal development work, right? Personal development work, you know, everything from Reiki to yoga to journaling to days of silence, um, all the different things, and really just started to kind of peel all these things together. And one thing that I there was a couple things that I found super interesting because like men were, were so tactile, right? Like, like, and, and a lot of the marketing around personal development historically is targeted towards a, a feminine perspective because they're the buyer of it, right? If you look at yoga, if you look at meditation, the colors that are used, the words. And so already we're at a d- default of trying to process, like being able to do all these things, let alone be welcomed into it. And I started to pay attention and pull these things all together. And so initially I came up with these three, three, three pillars and then extended to five. And so initially it was like accountability, right? Which, which is, which is for, because of my military, military background is a thing, right? So being, being able to hold yourself accountable and having someone else hold you accountable to the things you say you're going to do, or did you do the thing you said you were going to do, um, is a powerful thing that, you, that we oftentimes love to hold others accountable, but not also held or hold ourselves accountable for, right? So that was the first pillar. The second pillar was like, well, if someone's going to hold you accountable for something, you have to be able to operate at a certain level of integrity. And integrity is a tough word for us in today's society because we don't even know whether the news is true or the news could be true and have two different stories to it. So there's this delineation going on of like how our children perceive us being able to do the thing, do the things we ask of them and vice versa. So integrity becoming the second one. Um, and the third one being, well, if you're not achieving the things that, and this is something I experienced throughout my own cycle is like the reason why I wouldn't be achieving the things that I wanted to faster, better, quick enough was that I wasn't operating from a place where it was actually possible because of the habits that I had in my life. And so habits being the third one, because habits make everything a math problem for me, right? So it's like, if you're, if you're looking to improve your finances find a fiance and buy a farmhouse. Let's just say those three things, right? It's three things. So how many hours are you spending on each a week, right? It's, it's a math equation. It's not an emotional problem, right? So those are my first three pillars. And I cycled through those for a bit and then started to do some more work and realize, well, why wouldn't those things work? Why couldn't you be accountable? Why couldn't you practice integrity? Why couldn't you put habits in place? The fourth pillar was, well, maybe it's time to unpack some of your shit. Um, and what I mean by that is like letting go of some things. And as somebody who went from in a very short span of time, right, went from this dis- disruptive household, Marine Corps, corporate startups, you know, into this men's coaching stuff, I had to learn and train myself how to let go of elements from each one of those identities so that I had the capacity to do other things. Um, and the final pillar was, is, well, how do you do that? I had to learn how to thrive in discomfort. 
right? You have to learn to let go. You have to learn to have hard conversations with people. You have to learn to be vulnerable and say when something doesn't feel right to you or you're uncomfortable in the moment. And, you know, to your point earlier on, earlier on this conversation, when you said like, well, you know, was there, you just felt like you could move through it. I learned very early on because of my military career to thrive in that discomfort. And so, you know, throughout this press forward program that I have these men's retreats, online virtual program, uh, virtual groups, um, we've got online courses, um, children's coloring book is coming out soon. Um, the whole thing is built upon one, you've got to be able to put habits in place. Two, you've got to practice accountability. Three, you've got to have integrity. Four, you've got to learn to thrive in discomfort. And five, sometimes you got to learn to unpack your shit. I, I hate closing this out because it's like all of a sudden you stumble upon more and then you're like, holy crap, you can do five more hours just on this one thing. But I promise that, you know, everyone that we, we, we pack this into such a, a nice little time frame. So, um, I'd love for you to just now, uh, if you don't mind, wrap this up in a nice bow with what's possible now with these five areas or what happened now based upon these five areas and, and, um, close, if you don't mind, then close also close out with, um, tell us just a little bit about the men's men's program. Yeah. So, um, what, what's possible with this is, um, I mean, anything like the thing that's holding you back. Well, with, with you, like what happened because of those five, like what, what, what happened? What was the repercussion of those five things for you? So the repercussion of that is that once I put these five pillars into place, um, it, really changed everything for me. I mean, it, it really called in my abilities to show up and be the man that one, being able to leverage all of that story that I've, that I brought up to share with you guys, but being able to take the pieces out of it that are powerful and share them in meaningful ways with people outward, um, and show up as that. So I show up as a business coach. I show up as a a performance coach. I show up as an investor, uh, a founder, uh, entrepreneur, a really good dad to my, to my kids. Um, you know, and just constantly practicing what I preach. Um, and then realizing that men more than ever need these outlets and need these support systems in place. Like I said, before we started this podcast, the only difference between, uh, a successful man and an unsuccessful man, in my opinion, is a support system, having the right support system in place. Um, and that's where the men's retreat program that I run and the men's accountability programs online are all built to put the right support system in place so that you can be a successful version of yourself. And that's it. Beautiful. Way to, way to wrap it up. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you. Um, walking us through your story. And uh, it's just an incredible, I love the layers of you and, and uh, how you um, showed up for everyone and, and shared, shared your story with everybody. It was just fascinating. And, um, and, and, you know, where you've arrived today, I guess I'll just ask you one last question and that's what's, what's next. Ooh, good question. Uh, what's next? Um, I am going through this evolution where I am looking at how important it is for to show up 
to show up with the same level of comfort, compassion, and empathy physically as and digitally. Because as we're in this period of the pandemic did this, right? So now it's the future of work, digital transformation, right? Our online presence is becoming very similar to our in-person presence. Um, being able to, and this is why I'm so comp- uh, passionate about cybersecurity, because I just see it as another form of being able to keep people safe and create space for people instead of filling it for them. Um, and so I'm really looking at how this type of work, right? Masculinity, men's work, men's empowerment, whatever you want to call it, can start to be integrated into the business world, into the corporate world. And let's not talk about toxic masculinity as much as let's talk about healthy masculinity. Let's not talk about the bad examples. Let's talk about the good examples and start to thrive in those. Beautiful. Where can everybody find you? Sure. So uh, most of my social media handles are I am Neil Conlon, N-E-A-L-C-O-N-L-O-N, or www.neilconlon.com. Thank you so much for being here today. And I look forward to watching everything that's coming out from what you're producing as it touches all the men and women in the world. Looking forward to watching. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe. We love having subscribers just like you. Download a few more episodes. And if you feel moved, we would so appreciate a review. I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.